Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. The reality is, if I'm truly, blatantly honest with you, and this will make some of you uncomfortable, and that's okay too, prayer can be really difficult for me sometimes. I know that you all want a pastor that is totally perfect. That is not me. And prayer really sometimes feels like a struggle to me. It feels more like one of those things that I really have to be disciplined about. And I was asking the Lord why sometimes, and that's just sometimes. Sometimes it comes so wonderfully easy, but there are times where it becomes a struggle. And when I asked the Lord about it, He's so sweet to answer me and speak so clearly. He spoke to my heart and said, well, that's because you forget who's listening. Because I believe that if we really, truly understood, if we trusted that the God of the universe was listening to us, that we would pray a lot more than we do. Right? Pastor JF lived in Miami before we got married. He grew up here. Uh, Pastor JF is my husband. (laughs) Pastor JF grew up here in Tacoma and then moved to Miami when he was a senior in high school and did college and then ended up going back there and as a worship leader. He's an amazing musician too. Uh, And he had some pretty incredible and influential friends, particularly in Miami. One of his very best friends worked really high up in the Estefan Corporation. So I don't know if you're familiar with Gloria and Emilio Estefan, right? The rhythm will eventually get you. (laughs) But, But he sort of ran their entire corporation, which you know, got us tickets to like all these amazing shows and Cirque du Soleil and all this stuff for free, right? But um, I remember this one time before we got married, his name is David Nerano, and we call him Nerano. And so Nerano called JF and said, bro, I've got a treat for you. Pack your bag, right? And John Fulton was a single guy then. And he's like, yes, you know? And so they took this airplane to this little private island, Okay, now this private island was owned by this one very, very wealthy individual. And none of us would even know his name if I told that to you, but he was incredibly wealthy and owned multiple islands, but they were on this one island because he had a meeting with him. So JF was tagging along. So they had their own private villa and all this crazy stuff that we never get to do, by the way, now that we're married. I don't know how all those connections like went away, but uh, and so JF tells the story that he was sleeping in one morning on this private island and David Nerano comes in and beats on his door. Bro, get up, get up, get up. And he's like, oh, I'm sleeping, right? And he's like, get your butt up now. And he, he literally takes him and starts dragging him out of bed. And he's like, put some clothes on. You have to come to breakfast. And he's like, y'all don't even like breakfast food. I'm not coming. To, you have to come to breakfast. And so John Fulton, which is his full name is what I call him. John Fulton throws a shirt on, 
board shorts, and he goes and walks into the private kitchen where Jay-Z and Beyonce are sitting. (laughs) And my husband, he wasn't then, but my now husband is like wiping his eyes, not really believing who he's about to sit down and eat breakfast with. And I'm sure after he picked himself up off the floor, he sits down and engages in a four-hour conversation breakfast with two of the most famous people on the planet. And I wonder here tonight that if you realized that Jay-Z and Beyonce are cool, right? But the God of the universe is waiting to commune with you. To commune one-on-one with you in a way that you maybe have never even imagined. If you could literally grasp that tonight, not only would no one have to drag you out of bed to do that, but you'd be dragging your friends out of their beds. Bro, you gotta come. God is waiting to talk with you. And so tonight, I wanted to unpack. I was looking through scripture and there's multiple places in scripture where God has this face-to-face type of communion with people. And one in particular caught my attention quite a few months ago. And I want to look at that type of communion tonight. It's found in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. Scripture says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Think about that for a second. The Lord, the God of the universe, would speak to Moses, the guy that he called forth, an ordinary guy that he called forth to lead all of Israel out of captivity in Egypt. He would speak to him face to face as a friend. But if you look at scripture, there was a pattern that took place before that type of communion would occur. And tonight, I want to look at that pattern. I want to look at that pattern and see how we can apply it to our own prayer lives, because I can promise you, if you begin to have face-to-face encounters with the God of the universe, no one will ever have to ask you to pray again. No one will ever have to encourage you to pray again. And I promise you that that's exactly what God desires. He desires to have that sort of face-to-face conversation, communion, relationship with you on a daily basis. So I wanna look at some background here. I need you to understand, we have to, we have to go back to the Old Testament to where this took place. And you have to understand that in the Old Testament, God decided to dwell in a building. He dwelt in a building and they called this building, he called his people to build the building that he could dwell in. And it was called a temple. That was the permanent location. But how many of you know that Israel 
They were nomads for 40 years looking for the promised land, the land that God had promised them. And as they were wandering through the desert, they needed a mobile type of temple. And that was called a tabernacle, okay? Both very similar. The temple was the permanent location. The tabernacle was the mobile version. And we're gonna look at that. In Exodus 25, God gave them specific instructions on how to construct this. Look at verse eight. The Lord said, then have them make a sanctuary. I wanna stop right now. That is the same word as temple. So if you have your Bibles, you can underline it and you can write temple. Have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Okay, so Pastor Ashley, I understand that they built this Old Testament tabernacle, but how could that possibly apply to our lives today? That was the Old Testament. How, how do we apply it today? Well, I want you to understand that Matthew 5 explains, we're gonna go deep here, everybody say deep. Matthew 5, 17, Jesus himself says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, meaning what happened in the Old Testament. I didn't come to abolish that. I came to fulfill it. I came to complete it. So that was the start. And Jesus said, I am bringing it to completion, to the full design that God desired. So it means he didn't put away what God did in the Old Testament. He brought it about to its fullness, to what God had actually designed. So back in the Old Testament, God wrote his law on tablets. Today, he writes his law on our hearts. In the Old Testament, God dwelt in a tabernacle. Today, he dwells in you and me. And I wanna show you that in scripture. Look with me in 1 Corinthians Chapter three, we'll start in verse 16. It says, do you not know that you are a temple? You are a temple. The same word as sanctuary. Now I'm gonna stop right there because we've gotten a little bit of flack as pastors of Church for All Nations because we don't call this room a a sanctuary. We call it an auditorium. Why? Because scripture says that you are the sanctuary. It is not a room. It is not a building, it is you and it is me. And so this, ladies and gentlemen, is an auditorium. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Verse 17, the last part says, for the temple of God is holy and that is what you are. You are are the modern day tabernacle of what we are about to unpack. And so tonight I wanna look at the design of the tabernacle. I wanna look at the design that God articulated because what would happen is that any individual, let's look at Moses, before Moses spoke with God face to face, before he encountered God in that intimate manner, he would walk through the tabernacle and each and every station had a purpose. And I believe that tonight, that tabernacle can serve as a pattern to us. Let's look at Exodus 25 again. 
We just read it, but have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. God desires to dwell in you, ladies. His desire is to dwell inside of you. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. And now tonight we're gonna look at it as a pattern of prayer. I have a picture of what the tabernacle looks like. And this is obviously a really crude drawing, but you also have it on your handout as well. But this is a little clearer So if you see, there's an actual, where the line where it says tabernacle, that was an actual tent without a roof, okay? It was a tent without a roof and there there had gates at the very beginning. And so then from the gates, you would pass through each and every station. And if you see where it says the ark, any Indiana Jones fans out there? Indiana Jones, anybody? Yeah, So that looks familiar. You would see the ark held the actual presence of God. And that was inside of the Holy of Holies. So tonight, what I want to unpack for you is each and every station. And I believe that God wants us to use this as one kind of prayer. There's an anchor verse that we'll be referring to. It's Ephesians 6, 18. And it's going to be our anchor verse for the entire series. Scripture says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers. This is one of those kinds of prayers tonight. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. So tonight, I want to teach you what one of my pastors taught me many years ago and what the Holy Spirit's been stirring inside of me for the last few months. Some people call it the tabernacle prayer. It doesn't matter what you call it as long as you use it. Amen? (laughs) The very first area that each individual would have to come to when they were entering from the outside, when they desired to have an encounter with God, and they were entering From the outside, they would enter through the gates, okay? Remember that. They were entering through the gates into the very first area, which is called the outer court. The outer court. And the focus on the outer court, the focus that everyone was to, everyone was to focus on in that moment was giving God thanks. And that's your first fill in the blank. The focus of the outer court is giving God thanks. Well, what's the significance of that? Before you come to God with your Santa Claus list of everything you want from Him, everything you want Him to do, all of the people you want Him to make right because they are messing up your world, Before you do any of those things, you first thank him for what he's already done. You thank him for what he's already done. Friends, gratitude is such a powerful emotion. It is such a powerful response. I was thinking this week, a few weeks ago, Israel had her birthday. She turned eight. And you know, sometimes after kids experience like, a party, and uh, 
gifts, then they just kind of get really superficial and they, well, I didn't get this and I really wanted this, right? Anybody experience that? Any moms? And so I was praying about, okay, Lord, how can I help her? Like really understand. And, and my husband and I are passionate about the fact that we will take both of our kids to India and Haiti one day and they will absolutely spend a month there on missions trips, but can't do that at eight, right? So Lord, what, what can I do? And I remembered this children's series that I used to love as a kid. And maybe you've heard of it. It's called The Boxcar Children. Anybody? I loved those books. They were my favorite. So I ordered them on Amazon. And so every night, the last couple weeks, Izzy and I read a chapter or two of The Boxcar Children. And The Boxcar Children are about four orphans that have nothing. And they are trying to survive And they're making the best out of what they have. And let me tell you, my little girl's attitude and her gratitude has changed. We go to bed now and she, mommy, all they had to eat tonight was water and blueberries. Yeah, baby. Aren't you grateful for the fish and the broccoli that you didn't want to (laughs) eat? Right? Aren't you so grateful? Yeah, you didn't want to go to bed right now, but you don't have to sleep on pine straw. Like how great is it having a bed? Gratitude is shifting your perspective, shifting your focus. And the second you do that, the second you are grateful for what you have, instead of looking at what you don't have, it makes what you have enough. Gratitude makes what you have enough and it blesses the heart of God. So what does that look like in your prayer life? It looks like you stopping. In the moment you start your prayer, before you list anything else, you stop and you say, God, thank you. Thank you for my health, Lord. Thank you that I get to live in a free country, God. Thank you that my children get to go to school. Thank you, Lord, that I can worship you and I don't have to worry about someone blocking me in prison for it. Thank you, God, that I have a wonderful husband. Thank you for my healthy children. Thank you, God. And you thank him before you do anything else. The psalmist said it like this in Psalm 100, verse four. And now you understand what he was saying. Enter his gates. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts, meaning the outer courts, with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So we start our prayers. Maybe you go home tonight and whether you make this a five minute prayer, I gotta tell you, this is how I put my kids to bed. Now, I don't talk about the outer court and the tabernacle or anything like that. I just say, hey guys, what are we gonna thank God for today? That's how we start our prayer. How are we, what are we thanking God for? Let's come up with something new because I can promise you for the rest of your life, you can thank him for something new every day, right? And so we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We stop and we thank him. The second piece of furniture that's found in that outer court area. So we're still in the outer court, but there's a piece of furniture there. And it's the second point. It's the brazen altar. And you'll see it. The brazen altar is there. And 
It was an altar, literal altar. And we think about it, the altar is like coming down and praying. No, no, no. This was an actual altar that was built for animal sacrifices. So as you walked to this piece of furniture, you would see the dead animals. You would see the blood. You would see the carcasses and the fire and they're burning. And what in the world is that for? It's because God wants you to understand for you to come to him face to face, for you to have that encounter, that relationship with him, it always meant something had to die. And so they would walk to this brazen altar and see the animals and they would pause there and pay homage to the fact that there's blood that had to be spilled so that they could approach God. How many of you know that there was one perfect sacrifice given for you and for me. And that's the focus of this brazen altar. What it means for us today is that we focus on what Jesus did on the cross. And that's the fill in the blank. We focus on what Jesus did on the cross. The only reason, the only reason that you and I can ever approach God The only reason that you and I can have eternity in heaven with the Lord, the only reason that you and I can have abundant life here on earth is because of what Jesus did on the cross. It should have been me. It should have been you laying on those coals, laying on that type of grill almost, offering that bloody sacrifice for our sins. And so what I do when I'm walking through this model of prayer, I go and I look, I stop and I think, I look in my mind's eye and I see Jesus hanging on that cross and I meditate on him for just a second. Hebrews 9, 11 says, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it's not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption for you and for me. Scripture says it like this, when we were yet helpless sinners, Christ died for us. And so I just stop and I think about the cross, what Jesus did on the cross for you, what he did on the cross for me. And I think about the fact that hundreds of years before, a prophet named Isaiah was given a vision of exactly what Jesus would do on the cross. And he wrote this in Isaiah 53, verse five. Most of you know it. It says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. And so what I like to do in this moment, and I've said it to our church on a Sunday morning before, I like to think through the four different types of wounds that Jesus took for me and that he took for you. That scripture says that he was pierced 
for our transgressions. What are transgressions? Transgressions are things that we did, times we went too far, things we did. And how many of you know that things that we do are often symbolized by our hands and feet? And Jesus was pierced in his hands and his feet for everything that you and I did that was a sin. Another wound that Jesus took says he was crushed for our iniquities. He was crushed a spear to his heart. And what's an iniquity? An iniquity is, is a heart condition. It's, it's the evil we have on the inside, right? It's the lust, it's the pride. It's, the, it's all of those things that are heart issues. And Jesus, his heart was crushed so that our hearts could be made whole. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. He had a crown of thorns that was placed on his head. How many of you know that's where our peace resides? In our thinking. And that crown of thorns, he bore that punishment so that you and I could have peace today. And by his stripes, we are healed. And I think about the stripes, the wounds on his back, the lashes that he took for you and for me that took care of every possible disease and sickness that we could have. And you know what? Historians believe that the cat of nine tails that he was whipped with, that they used to drag those through not only sewage, but infectious bandages and all to, to make sure that they held disease and then lashed over and over. And Jesus, what he did on the cross was for our disease, yes, physical, but really any dis-ease. So any part of your life that isn't at ease, he took those to heal that relationship, to heal that marriage, to heal your life, to heal your emotions, every part of it. And in this model, it's stopping to say, oh, Jesus, what you did for me, acknowledging what he did for us before we go any further. So we've given thanks in the outer court. We've come to the brazen altar and we're, we've stopped to remember everything that Jesus did on the cross. The next thing that you pass as you pass that altar full of dead things is a type of bowl and it's called a laver. And that's the next station. And this laver was a bowl that was filled with water. But what was so interesting about it is in the bottom of this laver, it was filled with mirrors. And so as you go to actually wash before you entered into the holy place, as you go to wash, you're staring at yourself. Think about the power of that. You're going to wash and you're, you're face to face with everything about yourself. And the focus here, and you're filling the blank, the focus here for the labor is repentance and offering every part of myself to God. Repentance and offering every part of myself to God. Well, washing, Pastor Ashley, what do you mean? Isn't that what Jesus took care of? Yes, Jesus took care of washing 
our sins. He took care of paying the price for our sins. But there's a step further that God desires for us to take. And it's this consecrating every single part of who we are to the Lord. Romans 12 says it like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. God doesn't want dead animals anymore. He wants you and every part of your life. And so as you're standing in this image of this labor and you're looking at yourself, the way that, that I like to pray this is I, I think about, okay, Lord, I see myself here. Lord, I just, I, I ask God that you would just wash my mind. Lord, wash my mind today. Lord, I, I only wanna think thoughts that are from you. I only wanna think thoughts that are of you. Lord, make, put a guard around my mind so that the enemy can't put weird thoughts in. Lord, my mind, and then I look, my eyes, God. I don't let my eyes look on anything that is not what you, what you desire. Lord, help me to see people in the way that you see them. Open my eyes to the opportunities, Lord. Oh, my ears, God. My ears, Lord. I, I want, I want to hear pleasing. Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear pleasing things. Lord, let, let me not fill my head with things that aren't of you. Lord, listening to things that aren't pleasing to you. My mouth. Oh, Lord, I better take a minute on this one. Because I'm pretty good at communicating. And whatever you're good at will almost always be your weapon if you allow the enemy in. And so, Lord, I just ask that you just take my tongue, God. Lord, I, I give you my mouth. Lord, I want to speak uplifting things to people. I don't want to hurt people with my mouth. Lord, my heart, my hands. My, you can go through every single part of who you are, offering it to God. Lord, this is yours. Wash me. Lord, wash me clean. I want, I want to be pleasing to you. It's the labor. Now we're going to go into the small tent. Only a few more, guys. Only a few more. Now we're going to go into the small tent, the holy space. And we find the next item, which is this candlestick. It's the candlestick that you see here. It's the seven-pronged Jewish candlestick that most of you are familiar with. And it represents the Holy Spirit. It represents the Holy Spirit with this symbol of oil and fire and this symbol of his anointing and his power and his gifts. And so the focus for this station is invite the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Invite the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 says, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. This is that moment that you're fanning into flame everything that God's put inside of you. Everything that God has desired for you, you're fanning into flames. Whether you know it or not, God has given you spiritual gifts. If you have put your trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has put inside of you spiritual gifts that he desires for you to use. 
And you know what? If you haven't said yes to Jesus, if you do not have belief and trust in him, guess what? God still has spiritual gifts for you that he desires to put inside of you. Spiritual gifts for you, a calling for you. And this is that moment that you say, Holy Spirit, I want everything that you have for me, Lord, every gift that you have for me. God, I desire for you to use me in whatever way you choose. You fan into flame in that moment. And you know what? I love that it's a candlestick because that light doesn't just represent his power. It represents the actual revealing light. Holy Spirit, I ask you to search those dark places in my life. God, if there are things that aren't pleasing to you, if there are things that are keeping you from working in me the way that you desire, Lord, I want you to reveal them to me, God, so that I can draw closer to you. On the other side of that little tent room, that smaller area was another table with freshly baked bread. How many of you have ever smelled freshly baked bread? We're in the middle of this fast. So most of us that if we're fasting bread, we're all of our, our drools coming down because freshly baked bread sounds amazing. And it was called the table of showbread. The table of showbread always had stacks of freshly made bread that was sitting there. And the focus here at the table of showbread was to feed on his word, to feed on his word. And maybe you want to write next to that the two words, logos and rhema. Or maybe you don't even write that because those are very churchy words. You write his written word, write the Bible. That's his logos word. And then his rhema word is his voice, is his voice. And in that moment, you focus on feeding on his word. Matthew 4, verse 4 says, Jesus said himself, he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Maybe you take a second in your prayer and you say, God, make me hungry for your word. Make me hungry for your word. Maybe you take a second and you feed on his word. You eat every day, so maybe you should eat every day. Right? Even if it's just one passage and you're meditating on that. God, make me hungry for your word. Open my mind, Lord, to exactly what you want to say to me. That right now word, Lord, open my heart to hear you in a brand new way. God, I want to hear you powerfully. Lead me. Guide me, direct me. It's all about focusing on his word, stopping, pausing, maybe in the middle of your prayers, reading a few passages, asking him to speak to you. Maybe this is the moment where you're claiming some of these promises that he's given you in the word. God, make me hungry for your word. You're almost there. This is the last place we're gonna stop, right before the ark. The next step is called the altar of incense. The altar of incense, and it's a small altar with coals from the outside, and it's making it burn, and there's this beautiful, sweet-smelling incense. And Scripture is very clear that our worship is the sweetest-smelling incense to our God. And so the focus in this step, right before we enter into God's presence, encountering Him face-to-face, 
The focus is worshiping who he is. Worshiping who he is. Focus on worshiping who he is. And this is worship, not praise. They're both so important, but you need to understand praise is telling God how grateful you are for what he's done, right? It's acknowledging everything he's done and calling that forth and calling that out. Praise is doing that. Worship is speaking to who God is. If he had never done any of that other stuff, God, you are still, you are holy. God, you are so good. God, you are my father. You are my shepherd. You are my rock. You are my fortress. It is speaking to who God is. And part of that is needing to understand who he is to you, knowing his names, what he desires to be to you. And I love this Proverbs Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Now, I've heard that verse for a really long time, and I just kind of always, oh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. But do you really understand what that means? When you understand who God is, that becomes a place of safety unlike any other where nothing can touch you. The second you begin to focus on who God is, who God desires to be to you, the second you shift your mind off of what's going on around you and on who the God of the universe truly is, whether he operates in the way you desire or not, that becomes a place of protection for you. A place of total protection. And so in that moment, before you start to pour out everything you desire from God, everything that you want God to do, you stop and you focus on who he is. Shifting your thinking to be only on him. And maybe in your prayer time, it looks like a song. Maybe it looks like reading out the names of God. Maybe it looks like just telling him, God, you are so good. I gotta tell you, when my children run up to me and hug my leg, give me a big kiss and just say, oh, I love you, mommy. I love you, mommy. Not, I love you, mommy, give me that cookie. I love you if you will buy me that game. No, 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 I love you, mommy. I'm so glad you're my mommy. I'm so glad you're my mommy. It's different, right? You understand that? We understand that as humans. It's just different. And the very last station, the place where we encounter God face to face, where the God of the universe desires to commune with you, that experience with him, it's called the Ark of the Covenant. And that's what it was in the Old Testament. And now we know that God desires to dwell inside of us. But to experience Him in that way, when we really are, when we've walked all the steps, 
Again, this is just one way to pray. When we've walked all the steps and we are encountering the presence of God in such a real way, face to face, what are we supposed to do? Because we said he's not that spiritual Santa, right? It's not like, okay, well, let me roll my list out. And I, no, no, no. What are we supposed to do? The focus in those most intimate moments, the focus is to pray for others. This is the moment where we intercede. Why? Why would we do that? Why would we do that when we now are encountering God in such a real way? Why would we pray for others? Because nothing captures the heart of who God is like passion for his children. Selfless passion for his children, for his kingdom. And in those moments where we're so tempted, God, give me, give me, give me, give me. No, no, no. That's where you pray for others. And I've heard it taught that you can do like a ripple prayer. Pastor Cho, pastor of one of the largest churches in the world, he teaches it that way. That you can start with the people closest to you. And then as you have time, you just continue, right? On and on and on. And it's, it makes that ripple. But you guys, this is what Jesus is modeling for us right now. Romans tells us Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession, praying for you and for me. And that's what God desires for us to do. And so tonight, again, this is just one way to pray, but I wanna go back to that anchor verse, Ephesians 6. And it's gonna mean a little bit more to you right now in light of those steps. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, in every situation, right? It doesn't have to be long, drawn-out prayers. It can be short ones all throughout the day. And with all kinds of prayers, this is one kind of prayer, ladies. We're going to talk about lots of different prayers found in Scripture. Prayers and requests, and I, this is the part I want you to see. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for yourself. No. Always keep praying for all the Lord's people. It's that intercession, that intercession for others. And tonight, I know, was, was pretty deep. It was pretty thick. Next week, we're going to go back to a more normal style of teaching, but I just really felt led of the Lord to show you how the Lord's been laying on my heart to pray lately. And it's such a cool, if, you're, if you find yourself, man, I don't even know what to pray about. Just start, start here. Start here and take each of those steps. It's such a beautiful model. And you can do it in five minutes or you can take five hours, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just a beautiful model. I want you to see how simple it can be. How simple it can be to truly commune with God to have these encounters with Him. And I think it's so powerful to be able to use this model. Bow your heads, I wanna pray for you. If you're here tonight, I don't wanna leave without giving you the opportunity. Maybe you came and this has all been really churchy and 
you're like, wait, tents and furniture and I, this is, this is next level. What the heck have I walked into? You don't have to know anything about the Old Testament or tents or furniture to talk with God. And these are just steps that I'm giving you. But if you want to start that relationship with him, or maybe you want to come back to that relationship with him, maybe you've walked away from it and you're like, Lord, you know, I haven't even prayed in two years. Maybe, maybe that's you. You want to come back to that relationship or you want to start it fresh and new. And you say, I want to have that type of intimate relationship with the God of the universe. The God who sent his son to be that perfect sacrifice for you, just like those sacrifices that they walked by on that brazen altar. Blood had to be spilled so that we could have a relationship with God. And Jesus did that for you. He did it for you whether you ever say yes to him or not. But tonight, maybe you wanna say yes to him for the first time, or maybe you wanna come back to him. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand on the count of three. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna pray for you. If that's you, lift your hand. One, two, three. Yes, 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 yes. I see your hands. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Wherever you are right now, just tell him. Tell him in your own words. He created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Whether your mother wanted you or not, He designed you. He has a calling for you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. So right now in your own words, say, Lord, I wanna live this life for you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me on the cross. I wanna put my trust in you. I wanna put my faith in you. I wanna put my hope in you. I give you my life, Lord. I give you my life. I wanna live it for you. And if you said that prayer, (laughs) scripture says that all of heaven is rejoicing. That's how big of a deal it is. And for the rest of us, I just wanna pray. How many of you want a deeper prayer life. One that literally encounters God face to face and he talks with us as he talks with a friend. I have both hands up. Lord, you know our hearts, God. We wanna encounter you like Moses did, Lord. We want such a relationship with you, God, that people come to know us as your friend. Lord, that we know your voice, Lord, so clearly. God, lead and guide us into that relationship. Lord, help us with this thing called prayer. God, it can be so daunting sometimes. And Lord, we are so judgmental about our own prayer lives. Oh man, I didn't pray enough. Man, I didn't pray with the right words. No, 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 no. God, help us. Help us even with this simple pattern, God, of what we're focusing on, Lord, so that we can encounter you in a fresh, powerful way. We thank you for it. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.